Hello, friends. This is Doug Scheibel, and welcome to the Premature Bible Institute. Glad you are able to come today. Um, this particular portion of Scripture is really exciting to me. I just, I just love the story. I think that there's so much to be learned about our faith and about everything um, that goes on in in uh, a life of a believer that is just really wrapped up in this story, and and it's the model for what a person should be like, uh, a believer. So, um, you know, every time I read this story, uh, I just see God's hand in everything that he does. Uh, it just makes me want to, you know, just kind of look forward to the next thing that's coming up. Even though it may be rough and it may be a trial, it is an opportunity to really learn to trust the Lord. And so, uh, we'll get into that now. So in the last lesson, we talked about how Jacob, uh, had 12 sons and one daughter. His one daughter's name was Dinah. Uh, and, uh, Joseph, uh, had a special relationship with one of those sons and that was Joseph. And Joseph was, uh, we don't know exactly what his, uh, you know, what he was like as a young man, whether he was real, uh, feisty, uh, he was a real outgoing person, whether he was an introvert, we really don't know. And it doesn't tell us a lot about it. But we do know that he uh, had his father's favor, and he was. It said that he was. Uh, uh, Jacob loved him more than the other brothers because he was the son of his old age, and so um, Jacob had had um, uh, Joseph and then another brother too, by the name of uh, Benjamin, uh, when he was an old man, and so uh, he had a. Spe- those were had a special place. Plus that they were the sons of of Rachel, and so Rachel was. Uh, the wife that he favored the most. That was the one he originally wanted to marry when he went uh, back to his land of his father's. And so um, uh, Joseph had brothers, and because Jacob loved Joseph more than the others, the brothers just really hated him. They despised him. They were jealous of him because uh, of that um, favoritism. And remember, there was that, uh, if you went back and read the story at all, there was this scene where uh, the father had given uh, Joseph a coat of many colors, and it was we don't know what it really looked like, but it, whatever it was, it signified the relationship between Joseph and Jacob, and he how they were really, really close. And Jacob gave a lot of favoritism to Joseph as a result of that. So, uh, as a result of that, um, the brothers were off uh, doing something, and Jacob told uh, Joseph. Uh, I want you to go and see how your brothers are doing, and so on. And so he went over there to see him, uh, his brothers. But as he was getting close to it, they noticed him from a distance, and they plotted to kill him. And they wanted to just get rid of him once and for all. And then they were going to tell uh, their father that uh, somehow uh, Joseph had got involved with a wild animal, and the wild animal had eaten him, and so on. But um, his one brother um, decided that that isn't what he wanted. Judah said, no, we can't do this. We can't, or was it Reuben? Anyway, um, he said, we can't do this. This isn't right. So what he did is he had them, they put, they threw Joseph down in this pit and left him there. And um, and then as a result of that, uh, they weren't going to kill him. And, and Reuben, had, I think, was going to take him back to his father. Well, as a result of all of that, uh, uh, Reuben had left for a little while and then uh, while he was gone, uh, they saw some Midianite traders that were coming by the area. And so the brothers decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to kill him, but we're going to make some money off of this anyway. And so what they did is they sold him to these Midianite traders. And then they had to come up with a reason for why uh, Joseph wasn't there anymore. So then they uh, uh, killed an animal, put blood all over the coat and everything, and said that an animal had killed him and 
that's what they told their father. So that's what's happened now. The, when we left last week, the Midianite traders had come by, and I'll read this. He said uh, in Genesis 37, verse 28, it says this, Then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. So that's where we left the story off. The brothers selling Joseph. Joseph is now a slave. And as a slave, he was taken into Egypt. And it says there uh, that these Midianite traders took him into Egypt. And that's where we're getting ready to start up this story. So let's uh, go with uh, um, uh, a few verses there in uh, chapter 37. And in verse 36, it says this. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. So when the Midianite traders took him to Egypt, they were they were going to make money off of him also, and so they sold him and uh, and they sold him to Potiphar. And whatever it was with Potiphar, he noticed something about Joseph. Maybe I don't know whether he looked good or whether it was because he was a hard worker. Who knows all the reasons why he did? We know the Lord was in it. But he sold him to Potiphar, and uh, he says he was an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. So he was like the head of the secret service uh, for Pharaoh. Or uh, uh, And he could have even been more of the, also in the line of a chief of staff, but I think it's more the idea that he was, he was very high up in uh, Pharaoh's system of government. So he was a captain of the guard. So the story now, uh, as we go through the scriptures, it shifts from Jacob and his family and the brothers. Now it shifts to Joseph, and it's going to deal exclusively with Joseph for a little while. We'll get back to Jacob and the brothers in a little bit, but for right now, let's get, we're going to focus on Joseph and what's happened to him and what the Lord wants us to learn from him. So um, uh, something to remember about all of this, and I just want to remember this. They sold him to Potiphar, but like in a previous lesson, I mentioned something, how sin never affects only the person who does the sinning. It affects everyone around them. So when they, uh, his brothers sold him, that affected the brothers because now every day of their lives they would think back on this time when they sold their brother into slavery. And because they didn't know whether he was alive or whether he was dead, that was always on their conscience. Had Joseph died, then they could have put that out of their mind after a while and just said, okay, that's what happened. But they didn't know. And so that meant that Joseph was always alive. They would always wonder what's happening to him. It also affected Jacob because now one of his sons is dead, supposedly eaten by an animal uh, or torn up by an animal. And everybody else, and, and also Joseph's sister, Dinah, and, and all the people there, it just it affected everybody. So uh, And then also affected the Midianites because they made money off of it, the brothers made money off of it, and, and so on. So J uh, Joseph gets taken in to uh, Egypt, and he gets sold to Potiphar. And so now we're going to read here and start on with the story, and there's going to be a lot of reading of Scripture in this, and then we'll sit down and explain it, okay? So we go to chapter 39 in Genesis, and verse 2 through 6, it says this, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. 
So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in in the house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know he had, uh, I'm sorry, he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Okay, so I want to talk about this a little bit. So Joseph goes into Potiphar's house, goes into his, uh, as his property, as his slave, and he starts uh, working there. And he says that Joseph was a successful man. So something about Potiphar, notice this guy right off the bat, something about him is different. He is faithful in what he does, and he was successful at everything he did. He was a thinker. He knew how to manage things. And this uh, was, Potiphar was not an idiot. I mean, listen to how high up in the government he must have been if he was captain of Pharaoh's guard. So he must have been really up there. That means he was a smart man. He was probably a smart tactician, all these things. And he watches this guy, and he notices that everything this guy does, it prospers. It, 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 it turns out well in what he did. So his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So everything that Joseph is doing, the Lord is prospering. Why? Because Joseph believes God. He understands the situation that he's in. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as time goes on. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. So Joseph, even though he was a slave, he served him well. He did the job very, very well. Um, so he put him, so it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. You know, like I said, Potiphar was like the probably the chief of staff to the president of the United States. He was the one who oversaw everything, made sure that all the everything in the White House runs well and so on. So Potiphar was the one who made everything uh, go well in the household of Pharaoh. You know, he managed all the people, the guards, uh, everything. So Potiphar was a very, very important man. He's the one that said, this is who gets to Potiphar, this is who doesn't get to Potiphar. You know, I make the decisions on that. So <clears throat> now Joseph... He's a guy, he doesn't look at his circumstances the way most people would. Uh, Joseph was a faithful man, it says this. Everything prospered under his hand. Uh, and the reason why was Joseph looked to the future. Uh, not to the future, I'm sorry, Joseph, let me put it this way. Joseph looked not to the future, but the God who is the future. And so that's what he did. He wasn't sitting there looking, trying to figure out what's going to happen and how he's going to get out of this or that or whatever. But he looked to the God of the future. He saw God out there where he will be eventually and knew other things about God. Now, Joseph evaluated his circumstances from the perspective of God's nature and character. So he understood what God was like. He understood from all the stories that he'd heard from his father, his grandfather, and all of this stuff. He had heard all of these stories, and he had heard all of these events of what God had done in the past. And so now he says, okay, this is God. God is who he is. So he's evaluating the circumstances that he is in from the perspective of how is God going to respond to this situation? What is it uh, about this situation that I can see God in this? Okay, so uh, I said before, not only does sin, well, sin not only affects the person who sins, but the people around him. But also, let's put it this way, righteousness doesn't just affect the person who's doing the righteous act. It also affects everybody around them. So righteous people affect other people. 
but so do unrighteous people. Both of them affect people. It's which way do you want them to be affected? And so Joseph evaluated, like I said, he looking at God's perspective, his nature, his, his nature and character, God is good. God is all-powerful. God knows everything there is to know. He is perfect. Okay, whatever situation I'm in, God's going to work this thing out in a way that's going to bring honor to him, and it's going to be right. So Joseph is looking at it from that perspective. Now, Pharaoh trusted Joseph. There's no doubt about that. He saw that everything that Joseph did prospered. It did well. It came out good, you know, no matter what it is, whether it was the crops, because it says up there, uh, it says the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So that means the crops, the growing of whatever, all of his properties were managed by Joseph and they did well. So <clears throat> he saw that everything prospered when Joseph handled it. He saw that the Lord was guiding Joseph. And we're talking about uh, Potiphar here. And he entrusted all of his house and possessions to Joseph in order to manage it. So that's what he wanted. He wanted somebody, a faithful person, to to do it. You know, um, it's just interesting how that really fits in and everything with the way we're to look at God, the way we should look at him and what he has done. If we evaluate our circumstances from God's perspective, then things can go well with us. Now, by going well doesn't mean there aren't adversity and trouble. But it just means that even in the next uh, adversity, I can look at that from God's perspective. And we'll see that here in just a minute. Now, now Joseph didn't know what the future held for him, but he knew that God would do what was right. He understood that God knew the right thing to do and would do it. Not just because he knows it, but because that's who he is. He is right. He is perfect. He's good. And so God will work things out according to the way he wants it done. Now, Joseph's um, faith um, in the Lord, and uh, Joseph's faith in the Lord was going to be put to the test even more, though, even more than his brothers throwing him in the pit here and being sold into slavery. Here's the next step that's going to happen. So let me read uh, chapter 39, verses 7 through 19. <clears throat> and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast law. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back just a sec. In the, I'd left out the last verse of that uh, last portion because I wanted to talk about it for just a second. It sets the stage for what's going to happen next. I talked about how everything prospered in his hand and Pharaoh didn't have, or I mean Potiphar didn't have to look after anything or whatever. But then it says this, and Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So in other words, Joseph looked like a man. I mean, he was really sharp. You know, there are movie stars and actresses and so on, actors and actresses who, when you see films with them when they were young kids, <laughs> they looked awful. I mean, they, you thought, man, how what is that kid going to look like when they grow up? But then as they got older, and you know, I mean, I, one guy I thought of is Patrick Dempsey, you know, who was on Grey's Anatomy. Uh, I never watched the show, but I know who he is. I remember seeing him as a young kid, and I thought it was kind of a gangly or kind of a just a kid that, you know, girls would probably kind of make fun of. But look what he grew up into when he got older. The guy's really a sharp-looking guy. And that's the way it is with some people. Some people, when they're young, they don't look so much like anything. Maybe that's what Joseph was like when he was young. But then when he got older, that changed. I mean, this guy was a good-looking guy. He was probably well-built and everything. He just looked good. Everything about him. He was the kind of he was the kind of guy that as he would walk by, I'm sure all the ladies said, "Wow, man, now there's a man," you know, that type of a thing. So let's that's setting the stage for what's coming up here. Okay. So it says there in verse 19, 
And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So that's what he's saying. He says, I can't do this. This is... This would sin against God and is unthinkable to me. It is a non-negotiable. Plus, I'm your master's servant. I'm, I'm sorry. I am your husband's servant. How could I do this against him too? All right. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. So she's continually trying to get him to sleep with her. Right. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So he basically went out naked. He left that room. He would rather be shamed in front of people than to shame his master and his God by doing this with Pharaoh's or Potiphar's wife. So he ran outside. And so it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he, he's talking about uh, Potiphar, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. Now, as far as I know, I think this is the very first place that the word Hebrew is used, but I'd have to look on that to check it out. See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she's lying about this whole thing. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke with, uh, to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard these words, which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. So right now, at this particular point, she's told her husband this whole story, made it up to accuse uh, uh, Joseph of all of this, and it says his anger was aroused. In, in Pidgin English, in Papua New Guinea, we'd say, he, bell hot. He was bell hot. And what that means by his ang, his belly was just on fire. He was really, really upset and really mad at this particular point. But we're going to see what he did because there's a lot of people may look at this and say, boy, he was really upset with Joseph. But I want us to look at this here in, in just a second. Now, I want you to notice how Potiphar's wife, she lowered her stand and standards, but Joseph did not. Joseph never lowered his standards for her, even for uh, Potiphar or anybody else. He says, my God is God, and I will follow what he wants me to do. I can't do this. This isn't right. Um, there are always, um, <clears throat> well, like I said before, Joseph was worried about dishonoring God and Potiphar, you know. So there are always consequences to our actions. I remember a, a political author talking about this years ago. He says, there are no solutions only trade-offs. And see, in Joseph's situation here, he didn't have a solution to the problem. 
He just had a trade-off to the problem. See, he had two cho- he had two choices. He could either lie with her, which had its own trade-offs, and or he had to leave her, which had other trade-offs. So he just decided which trade-off he was willing to live with, which is, I will honor God, and I will honor Potiphar, and I will leave the consequences up to both. And so that's what he did. So uh, Potiphar, uh, because of uh, there are always consequences to actions, and because of Potiphar's wife, Potiphar lost a faithful slave. Uh, Joseph went to, well, I'll just say this here in just a second what he did, and Joseph didn't die. But we'll see this here. So let's go with this. I should have probably told that a little bit too soon. Genesis verse uh, 39, verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. So I want to notice, want you to notice something here. He said his anger was aroused when he heard this whole story. But let me ask you, what did he do as a result of that? He put him in prison. And he didn't put him in just any part of the prison. He put him in the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So it was a place that was marked as separate from the rest of the prison. And that's where he put him. Now, let me ask you this. <clears throat> if Pharaoh was really upset at Joseph... Um, let me put it this way. If Joseph had really done what she said, what do you think would have happened to Joseph? Do you think that uh, Potiphar would let Joseph live? No, he would have killed him right then and there, right on the spot or whatever way he wanted to do it, but that'd be the end of Joseph. No, I think what the deal happened here was is that Potiphar knew Joseph probably better than he did his own wife. Well, I shouldn't say that. He probably knew both of them. He probably knew what kind of a wife his wife was. But he also knew a kind of man that Joseph was. And so to him, it was unthinkable that Joseph would do something like this with his wife. He just couldn't even conceive of it. But he had to deal with this in a way that didn't show favoritism towards a Jew, the Hebrew, over his own wife, who was the wife of Potiphar. So what he was doing was trying to deal with this situation. So what did he do? He put him into prison. But he's upset. And not only be upset because of what happened, but now he's lost the very best person he could have had. But that will come out in its own time. So um, he would have killed Joseph right then and there, had Joseph really done what his wife said. But I don't think he did. So... Um, um, let me put it this way. I'm sorry. They, Joseph, uh, I mean, uh, Potiphar put Joseph in prison, and there he was confined where the king's prisoners were confined, which meant it was in a place that was probably better than the rest of the prison. And he was there in prison. So, did God fail? Did he say, man, Joseph, I want you to trust me, but oh, man, here's what's going to happen. You know, now, Joseph, no. Was Joseph going to be able to fulfill God's plan, even though he was in prison now? Well, let's just see, and we'll just, uh, work on this and see whether he did or not. So do you think Joseph still trusted in the Lord even after all this? He'd been there. He'd been put him, thrown in a pit. His brothers sold him. He, the Midianites sold him. And now he's over there in, uh, in uh, Egypt. Uh, he was um, probably kept as a slave and then moved up into Potiphar's house. Uh, and now he's thrown back into prison, thrown into another hole, wasn't he, you know? I, one thing I noticed, you know, when I said here about uh, Potiphar knowing what Joseph was like, we learned this with tribal people. Tribal people don't judge your intentions. They judge your actions. And what they do is they know what you're like by what you do. They, they see what you do, and they say, well, that's important to them. 
you know, if you want to, if you're the type of person that stays in your house instead of going out and learning language and culture and all these different things, they know that the house is important to you, living in the house and staying there. They know that you involving yourself in their lives isn't as important. So that's just kind of how they do it. And I think Potiphar and everybody else, matter of fact, I think we're a lot like that too. We see what's important to people by what they do. Uh, we know when people are lying. We know when they're telling the truth. Sometimes we don't, and that's because other people lie in order to deceive them. And Potiphar's wife tried to do that with Joseph, but I think Potiphar was a smarter man than that and saw uh, what was going on here. So <clears throat> tribal people judge our intentions and not our uh judge our actions, I'm sorry, and not our intentions. I think Potiphar was doing the same thing here. So what was Joseph going to do now? Would he be angry with God and not trust him? Well, let's just see here. Now, verses 21 to 23, it says this, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed Joseph's hand all, I'm sorry, Keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Wherever the, whatever they did there, it was his doing. Uh, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. <laughs> Just makes me laugh thinking about this. Here we are. Joseph first is in slavery. Then he gets in Potiphar's household. Then he goes back into slavery. And again, if you want to, in a prison. And what happens when he's in there? Everything starts prospering again. Everything that the keeper of the prison, the head honcho there, that kept people there, he's looking at Joseph and said, wow, that guy, look at them. He's really managing everything. Whatever he does, it works. Whatever. He, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put him in charge of everything. And so Joseph did that. Then again... It could be that maybe Potiphar put in a good word for him and said, listen, whatever this guy does, it works. Just watch him. So who knows if that wasn't um, the situation. But whatever it is, God was with him because he trusted the Lord and what was going to happen. Now, this is the second time that Joseph's been thrown in a hole. First of all, he's thrown in a hole by his brothers. Now he's thrown in a hole by Potiphar because uh, probably the only way he could deal with this situation at that time. So Joseph's core values didn't change um, because he knew. You know why? You know why Joseph's uh, core values didn't change? Because he knew that God doesn't change. And so why would your core values change if God doesn't? If you know what God is like, then why would you change your view of what God is like? And so if you know God doesn't change, then if you have a correct interpretation of who he is, then that interpretation will never change, and it doesn't have to. Because if God is a such a thing, if God is just, he will always be just. And so there is no uh, need to change your view of the justice of God. Whatever God does is just, you know. So um, he didn't change because uh, he... Well, he knew that God would not change. God will fulfill his plan no matter what the situation would turn out to be. And that's pretty interesting. So after two years in prison, Joseph met two servants of Pharaoh. Uh, and this event, this event, meeting these two guys, changed the course of history for Joseph, uh, for Egypt, and for his family back, uh, still back in Canaan. And it's pretty interesting uh, how, how God did this. Now, just to go back, I want to go, well, hmm. let me read part of this first, and then I'll stop, and I'll go back so I can tell you, fill in a little bit of the story. Uh, 
Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 8. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years, so Joseph is in prison now for two full years, that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up uh, after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt. (coughs) That word gaunt means that they were just real skinny and shriveled up and looked awful, you know. And they stood by other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He woke up. He said, whoa, man, what is this? So then he slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk. And they were plump and good. And behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. So Pharaoh had these two dreams, and uh, he's just sitting there thinking, whoa, what's going on here? You know, something's, uh, something's going on. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there is no one who can interpret to them for Pharaoh. So Pharaoh had some really, really troubling dreams, uh, and uh, <clears throat> he did not—he didn't know what to think about them or how to interpret them. He just didn't know, but they scared the Dickens out of him for sure. So he calls all the magicians and all the the um, uh, what they call it—the wise men uh, of Egypt—to come and help him figure this thing out. Uh, but Pharaoh didn't uh, remember this. Pharaoh didn't know that there was a God who knew everything. He didn't know that. He didn't understand that, that there is a God who knows everything is to be known. Now, the Egyptians, they worshiped everything and everyone who was not God, you know, and he especially worshiped himself as God. And they didn't know that uh, of a God who knew everything, even their dreams. So he could see their dreams and understand them and interpret them for him. So, so God was going to use this Pharaoh, this particular one, uh, to be a part of fulfilling his plan for the deliverer, which is just amazing to me. Here is this unsaved, unregenerate um, king of Egypt who has no idea who God is, and God's going to use him to preserve the line of the deliverer. And that's just amazing to me. I just get excited when I think about this. It's just an exciting thing. So Proverbs 21.1 says this, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. And so God is going to use this man to just to bring about events in his own way. He's not going to violate his will. He doesn't have to. What he's going to do is use this man as part of his plan to, to reach, uh, uh, to do what he needs to do. So what does he do? Uh, as the creator, we know this, God knows everything and everyone, and he determines what is right and wrong. He's the one, he's the only one that has the right to determine what is right and what is wrong. And Joseph understood this. He really did. He knew that God would do what was best for him, but he also knew that he would do what was best for everybody. So what happens? <clears throat> as a result of this, Joseph is brought before Pharaoh, but let me tell you why he's brought in all here in just a second. So in chapter 41, verses 8 through 15, it says this, Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, 
but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each dreamed a dream one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he had interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Okay, so here's the situation. <clears throat> I didn't read all that, that particular passage about it, but Joseph is in prison. He's now getting to the point where he is managing all the prison, and his two servants of Pharaoh are brought in, where, like it says, the place where the, the king's uh, um, enemies or people that are put in prison from the king's household, they go into this one spot. Isn't it interesting that Pharaoh, <clears throat> excuse me, that Joseph is the one that gets put in there with him. So these guys are sitting there talking, and he hears them telling about their dreams. And so um, Joseph proceeds to interpret their dreams for him. By Joseph, I would say this. Joseph never claimed to be able to interpret the dreams. He says, God can. And so he says, tell me your dreams. And so they told him their dreams, and he says, here's the interpretation of the dreams. He says, you've been in here, and in three days, both of you are going to be released. But they, uh, they noticed that there was something troubling Joseph. And so they asked him what, it, what the interpretation meant. So the one he said there to the, um, the cupbearer, he says, you will be released in three days and you will go back to your position in Pharaoh's household. And the other guy said, what's about me? He says, you're going to be released in three days and you're going to be hung by your neck and die. And, uh, boy, they just didn't. And in three days, that's exactly what happened. And as they were leaving the prison, Joseph uh, said to them, Please, remember me when you go out. Tell them about the wrong that's been done to me uh, so that I can get out of here. And so they left, and uh, the baker, uh, I'm not the baker, but the, the cupbearer went back to Pharaoh's house like he had been told. The other one was hung. And then he kind of forgot about Joseph and just went about his own business. And so now, because of this dream thing coming up there with Pharaoh, see, now it comes back to this guy, hey, oh, man, this is my wrong. My bad, as we would say in our day today. He says, there was something that happened when we were in prison. Remember when that happened? He says, and here's the guy that interpreted our dreams. And he says, I want you to, he says, he may be the one that can deal with this, but he told us exactly what was going to happen, and it happened just as he said. So, okay, uh, and it says here, and it came to pass, just as he had interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So in other words, Pharaoh's saying, I've heard that you're the guy. You're the one that can do this. And so what did uh, Joseph do then? Well, we'll finish that up next week. Thank you guys so much for listening in. And I appreciate you uh, uh, letting me wait until next week and to do this. It's exciting. I just love this story. I just think it's such a... 
a neat story. It's so applicable to our daily lives about how we can trust God to do what he said he's going to do. And so we'll learn what it is. If you want to read the rest of that, you go right ahead. I'm not... um, it's not going to hurt my feelings one bit if you're reading scripture. So, but if you don't, and if you're for you're listening to this on a podcast and want to do it that way, please uh, be sure to do so. So, let me say this: uh, I want to um, remember if you think if you really like this and if you like these podcasts, please tag a friend. Just let them know about the podcast. They can find me on any audio podcast, uh, I think, and uh, just look up um, Premature Bible Institute. And I also, if you want, I, I'm doing video podcasts of these also. And this obviously is one of them right here. And you can get onto YouTube and just look up Doug Scheibel, uh, D-O-U-G, and then S-C-H-A-I-B-L-E. And uh, please subscribe to that channel. I, uh, I would appreciate it. I'd like to change the name of this channel eventually. But uh, I've got some other aspects besides just church, uh, the Premature Bible Institute. I also have stuff on tribal testimonies and thoughts con- uh, on uh, cross-cultural church planting. So you all take care. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.